Sustained Dane launched their 2023 all-around Dane County networking series with an in-person event gathering at Mount Horeb on April 19th at the Grumpy Troll Brew Pub. The all-around Dane County program aims to bring people together interested in sustainability, learn from local success stories, and share ideas with one another. Sustained Dane and Village of Mount Horeb Sustainability and Natural Resources Committee hosted this event in an effort to connect sustainability enthusiasts and learn about local projects and initiatives in Mount Horeb. The recording you are about to hear comes from the presentational section of the program, where several members of the community shared their sustainability stories. Please enjoy! Well, it's a very exciting time in Mount Horeb right now. Um, we have a, uh, a newly minted, newly formed uh, committee on our village, village government that deals with not just the here and now, but uh, looking down the road for future Mount Horeb folks. And so we started a uh, Sustainability and Natural Resource Committee. And so uh, we're... Uh, we're uh, four or five months into this. It's pretty exciting because we're looking around at what other communities are doing, and uh, we're ad adapting a lot of that to ourselves. And uh, we're also doing public programming like you have tonight. And uh, so, what happened was, uh, we're a member of Stain Day in the village of Mount Horeb, and I was looking for a program on land restoration. And the same time I was doing that, uh, a person from Sustained Dane contacted me, Lucia, asking if uh, perhaps we'd like to have a program out here because they're, they're doing all around Dane County programming. And so I thought, great. And then we were thinking, maybe beer would be good too. So thus the mix. So I'd like to introduce uh, Sustained Dane and uh, Lucia Hunt. Thank you. Thank you so much, Tim, and thank you, Grumpy Troll, for having us here. Um, I'm Lucia Hunt, Development and Partnerships Manager at Sustained Dane, and this is the kickoff of our 2023 all-around Dane County series. So thank you so much for, for being here, for showing up. Um, this series is a way for people locally to connect and share stories about uh, what you're doing in Mount Horeb. And, connect with people, share resources, ask questions, um, learn from one another, and also celebrate what you're doing. So um, that's what we are here to do. And if you have more questions about sustaining, you can look for Sam Lorenza or myself in green. Um, we can share more about our educational programming. We have workshops throughout the year. We have a conference in the fall. And we would love to connect with you and have you. Yeah, and you can also sign up for our newsletter uh, over there. Um, and this series is possible um, thanks to our Catalyst sponsors. So we have Everlight Solar as a sponsor as well as Ho-Chunk Gaming Madison. Thank you so much. Let's give a round of applause to them. And um, I'll just hand it over first to Lisa. Lisa Gorillac from Everlight Solar to say a few words. Hi. Um, thank you all for being here. This is really good turnout. Um, a couple of these and it's just such a great opportunity to get like-minded individuals together. So um, I'm Lisa and um, my coworker over there is Emily and we're with Everlight. Um, we're about one of the largest solar companies, residential solar companies in um, the Midwest and we um, 
really we love to give back to society because well, we only have one planet and we're all in this together. Um, we are really committed to helping communities go green by making it um, easier than ever to help so, or homeowners um, get solar. So by helping cleaning up the environment with green energy and supporting tons of local organizations, um, we can help to make a brighter future for all. So again, thank you for being here. And if you have any questions, Emily and I will be around for a while. So thanks. Awesome. Thank you, Lisa and Everlight Solar. And next we'll have Laura Lemire from Butchunk Gaming Madison. Hi, please excuse me. Uh, speaking in front of a crowd is not my thing, so I'm nervous. Um, I just want to thank the State Day for um, organizing this event. Um, when I came on to Hold Junk Gaming Madison about four and a half years ago, I was introduced to Sustain Day like, immediately, and um, the relationship with them has been amazing. They, the resources that I've gotten from them has helped me um, forward my sustainability initiatives at Hotel Gaming Madison because as you can imagine, the casino is a pretty heavy power consumer, so um, I'm doing what I can there with my passion for sustainability to reduce our environmental impact, and a lot of the resources I've gotten and knowledge I've gotten from Sustained Aid has been very, very helpful for that, so um, we're just grateful for the partnership that we've had with them all these years and um, continue to look, or I look forward to continuing that. Um, thank you for being here. All right, thank you, Laura, and which I'm giving Madison. Now I'll turn it over to Carrie with the Mount Horeb Sustainability Committee, and she knows all of the wonderful folks who will be sharing more tonight about what uh, you all are doing locally. Carrie. Thank you so much for coming. What I'd like to do is let you know that y'all have three minutes and I've got a little timer. I got a brand new phone that I'm learning how to use, so I may play with it on the timing tonight. Um, the first one that I want to have speak, um, I'd just like to introduce Kathy Kuntz, who's the director of the Dane County Office of Energy and Climate Change. So if you want to talk to Kathy in terms of resources, Kathy is your person, and all of these folks will be available. You know, we'll be staying around afterwards um, when the speakers get done. I just want to let y'all know that in December 2022, we started the Mount Horeb Sustainability and Natural Resources Committee in the village. And um, one thing that we're working on right now is a we're drafting a natural landscaping and pollinator habitat ordinance. And if you want to talk about that, just come see me after this, and I'd be happy to talk to you about that. The first person that we're going to um, have come up is John Reindeers, and he will be re representing Glow Solar, working on the Mount Horb Children's Community School. Come on up. John, first up. Okay. All right. Thank you. Uh, hello, everybody. My name is John Reinders. I'm with Glow Solar. And I am here today to talk about the Children's Community School Net Zero Building. Who here knows what a Net Zero Building is? Okay, some of us know. Um, the idea with the Net Zero Building is that the building creates as much energy as it uses, right? So that makes a lot of sense. That's very sustainable. Um, so the Children's Community School was founded in 1976 and in 2016 was asked to join the Mount Horeb Area School District as a 4K provider. 
Um, with increasing interest from area families over the years in a long wait list, they decided to expand and build a new school. After five years of fundraising and a bunch of work, um, they got started, and on April 3 of this month, they opened up their doors. Um, early in the design process, energy efficiency was identified as a high priority, and uh, during the research, they looked at the Forest Edge School in Oregon, Wisconsin, which is the first net zero school, and used that as inspiration. Next one, sorry. Uh, the new building was designed by OPN Architects um, and designed to incorporate solar, which is what we did. Um, they worked with Focus on Energy to incorporate as many energy-saving things as they could. They used Energy Star appliances, R24 wall and R36 roof insulation, LED lighting with dimming um, and sensors, exterior lighting with daylight shutoff, and a whole bunch of other stuff along with the solar array that we installed. Uh, one of the most exciting elements of the Net Zero building is the educational opportunity it will provide. The Children's School is committed to lending our time and energy to provide tours and presentations um, to interested community groups or anyone else who's interested. Uh, so let's see, a couple high points. Um, 60,000 kilowatt hours a year from the solar, a whole bunch of high efficiency stuff in there, uh, Energy Star rated windows, um, argon, LED lighting, and yeah, I think I did it under three minutes. Am I at three minutes? All right, three minutes. Everybody else, three minutes. Thank you. Seconds, Jack. So you get, you get, you get three minutes, 25 seconds. So ready to go. So the next speaker, thank you. The next speaker right, is going to be yes. Jack Soltis, and he's going to be talking about land restoration projects um, in behalf of the Francis Stewart Park. And also, I believe, in terms of the natural um, pollinator habitat landscaping that's being done at the Children's Community School. So here's Jack. Okay, go. People that know me, I like to talk. So here we go. On the script. Um, CCS, all I'll say with CCS is um, I'm helping them with native plant um, uh, uh, consultation. And from what's going on outside, they're doing a lot of native plant plantings, um, native shrubs, native. A little closer. Is that better? Um, okay, I lost 10 seconds. <laughs> anyway, a lot of native native plantings as part of their project. It'll be great for the kids and, and families, so um, check it out. Um, Stewart Park, um, established 1911, is that right, Lauren? 35. I saw 1911 somewhere. I think the, something started there then. Right. Um, 191 acres of, um, I'm going to stick with the natural areas, restoration part of this, 191 acres of diverse ecosystems, lake, wet, wet sedge meadows, uh, Moen Creek headwaters, oak savanna, oak woodlands, prairies, planted pine stands, and north sloping woodlands. So quite, quite the uh, ecosystems there. Um, Friends of Stewart Park had its beginnings in 2013-14, actually maybe even before then. Um, some things were happening and I know I was involved with that too. 
But anyway, first grant we got was 2016. Currently, a small group of uh, dedicated volunteers are doing primary, uh, the primarily most of the restoration work. Um, Operation Fresh Start crews, monthly, we get them monthly for four days. Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts, school groups, company volunteer days, and many other volunteers um, participate in many activities um, uh, led by someone from Friends of Stewart Park. Um, and we also have regular monthly work days in the park um, uh, each month, so check that out on, on, on the uh, Facebook page. Um, Dane County Parks um, developed a vegetative management plan four to five years ago that volunteers follow under the direction of Dane County Parks staff. Restoration priorities right now include the oak savannas and woodlands. I've been there a long time. A three to four very special acre remnant prairie that overlooks the lake. A restored 15-acre prairie, the wetland meadows of Moen Creek headwaters. So right now we had to prioritize work. It's very special areas in the park. Restoration goals. Original native plant communities and landscapes that provide a greater environment, environmental health for land and water and for flora and fauna. Increased biodiversity, more sustainable and functional ecosystems. Functional is the key piece on native plantings. And, a and the natural beauty and educational value of these varied ecosystems that provide for park users, schools, and the community. So I'll leave it there. the mic so everyone can hear you. Another person that I want to point out in the crowd um, is our local Dane County conservationist, Marie Rabon, sitting right over there. Just kind of wave. So all of these folks are going to be, you know, after the speaker portion is over, we're all going to be around. So if you have any questions, you know, feel free to come up to us and we'll have more time to answer your questions after that. Um, our next speakers are going to be Katie Demetz and Jules Reynolds. And they're going to be talking about food systems planning projects. Come on up. Got my timer right here. So. <laughs> okay, all right. Can everyone hear me? Yes. All right. Uh, hi, everyone. I'm Katie Demetz. I'm currently a PhD student at UW Madison in urban and regional planning, studying um, community and regional food systems. And I also am a um, proud resident of Springdale, and so happy to be working on some projects that are close to home and close to my heart. Hi, all. I'm Jules. I'm also a PhD student at UW-Madison. I also work with Marie on the BRICS project. And for the last year, Katie and I have been involved in a food systems planning project for the Mount Horeb area. So by food systems planning, we mean thinking long-term about the future of our food and agricultural systems and having structured conversations today and, and bridging resources today to build the future that we want to see. 
So Katie and I got a grant last spring to help fund this project. And over the past year, we've been involved in conversations and a really community-driven grassroots project to think about what food systems planning needs to look like in this area. And that culminated in a workshop last month where we invited farmers, food business owners, nonprofit leaders, and other leaders in the food system to structure this conversation for the Mount Forest area. Yeah, and so um, coming out of the workshop, um, we, we heard a, a few sort of really salient themes, um, one of which was <clears throat> the idea that um, Mount Horeb is a great community asset, and there are already a lot of amazing resources and food um, things happening in the community, and so building on those is going to be really important as we sort of think about the future of our food system here. Um, another idea was um, this real focus on the need to think about land use and development and really cooperating across town boundaries and work with the village to make sure that we're really thinking towards the long-term future of farmland and other food production areas. Um, one other key piece that came out was um, the idea of a local food policy council. Um, the idea there is you would sort of assemble a committee of food system leaders to start really having some dialogues with the broader community in the village about sort of what we want the, the future of our food system to look like in a more sustained way than the sort of one-off workshop that we did. And so um, this is something that, that we're sort of working on, on um, stewarding this idea and bringing people um, into the conversation to think about what that might look like over the long term. So we're working on some next steps right now and we'll be happy to sort of share back um, with everyone here as we sort of develop those and um, keep working with the community. I realized that we didn't provide you guys with any um, scratch paper to take notes on, but I think everyone has phones, so you know you can connect and get phone numbers and all that jazz on your phones. I just got a phone, so I'm learning what phones can do. Marie is very happy that I now have a phone. <laughs> now she can get a hold of me. <laughs> the next person that we're going to have talk to us is Lynn Messenger, and Lynn is president of the Mount Horror Community Gardens. Come on up, Lynn. Yes, I'm Lynn Messenger. Um, the idea for the Mount Horeb Area Community Garden came to me during a very divisive political time. And I was wondering, what do we all have in common? And I, my first thought was, we all eat. And so I gathered together a great group of people, and we have been working on it since, the idea. And that was six years ago. So, and since then, we have an organic garden in a section of Himsel Park set into 26 20 by 20 plots with a garden shed and tools around which we planted the native perennial uh, pollinator plants. We planted an edible perennial section for our gardeners that was also our solution to a visual screen for our neighbors. We had asparagus, rhubarb, lingonberries, currants, gooseberries, apple and pear trees, hazelnut bushes, elderberries, grapes, strawberries, blueberries, and a bush cherry tree, along with some more native pollinated plants and a few daffodils. We put in our underground irrigation system this last year, and the Parks, Rec, and Forestry Commission and the Water Utility Commission 
shared in the cost of our permanent water hookup, which was fantastic because we were hauling hoses from a hydrant for too many years. Um, we're organic. We encourage mulching to save weeding time and water. We have on-site composting and we're financially sustainable. We're incredibly lucky to receive a lot of support uh, from the village, its clubs, residents, and businesses. We've gotten grants and funding and in-kind donations. The village delivers our wood chips. All we have to do is ask at no charge for our pathways. The high school ag teacher and her students plant the seeds in the greenhouse for the Neighbors Helping Neighbors Food Pantry and the Senior Center plot as we give back to the village uh, through fresh produce delivered weekly in season. We have Silver Cord Award volunteers from the high school, Girl Scouts, and 4-H clubs, and we have shared educational programs with them as well. We were given three beautiful cedar raised beds for our elder gardeners through Rooted Wisconsin of Dane Gardens Network, built by the Latino Academy of Workforce Development. They're gorgeous. And we filled them with compost, and we have a very happy elder who is growing in them. And that we're involved in the Driftless Seed Project that gives out free seeds at our seed swappage spring. And uh, the, it's, the cabinet is kept at the Mount Horeb Historia. I mean, like that, like that to me is, is the example of a community project, right? I mean, look at how many people and organizations are involved. It's just fantastic. So the next community organization that we're going to highlight is um, the Mountain View Garden Club. And they just have incredible success because the village board just very recently, a few weeks ago, unanimously passed a NOMO May ordinance for the village. And so that's like a huge thing that we have now for the village. So come on up, Mount View Garden Club, Carolyn White. Okay, I'm Carolyn, and I'm representing Mount View Garden Club right here in Mount Horeb. I'd like to say a few things about our group and give you the buzz about one of our major sustainability initiatives, No Mo May. Um, we have a 68-year history of service, which focuses not only on beautification, but civic improvement and sustainability efforts. We have many committees and projects going on with the club, but I'll just mention a few. Um, the one that I find really interesting, um, Save a Tree, Plant a Tree Fund, was established in 2008 in conjunction with Miller's Supermarket. Involves an incentive for shoppers with reusable bags. So, in exchange for your bag, you get 10 cents donated to the Save a Tree, Plant a Tree Fund, which um, is often a lot of the money is given to the village to replace damaged or diseased trees. Um, initially, it was to add more trees to the village parks. And, um, but in recent years, we've gone on to fund a native shrub demonstration area in Stewart Park and a native plant pollinator garden in a village park, actually, in the community garden. Um, the late Olive Thompson was a longtime club member, and she initiated the program. She was the last uh, living colleague of Aldo Leopold at the time, and a creator of the Shirk Thompson Prairie. So the Nomo May Initiative, brand new, um, through one of our free monthly educational programs, 
that we have with the club. We learned how another nonprofit successfully instituted Nomo May in their city. So fast forward to now, Mount Horror Village Board unanimously supported our proposal. We forged a funding partnership with Duluth Trading Company for signs and flyers. These signs are available tonight. They're over on the other side of there. Um, if you want to participate in Nomo May, you can sign up and get a sign tonight. So visit Barb, she's right here um, after the talks. But first, a little bit about the evidence-based science of Nomo May. When lawns are mowed in May, early season pollinators have difficulty finding ne nectar and pollen from flowers that grow in the grass, the earliest flowers. So dandelions, violets, and clover bloom better and longer in unmowed uh, grass. Second, places and plants for pollinators have been dramatically depleted by human activities. This loss of habitat correlates with decline in biodiversity. Half of our native bee species are in decline. And last, pollinators are a necessity in our world as one third of human food is sourced from plants which require them. Loss of pollinators directly impacts food security. So there's many examples of Nomo May's effectiveness. One community found that unmowed lawns had a five-fold increase in bee abundance to that of mowed lawns. So that's proof that Nomo May is an important step to take. However, it's a small step. There are many other important actions you can also take, and um, they will protect pollinators. These benefits are plant a variety of native plants, so there's something in bloom all season for the pollinators and you to enjoy. I have to stop. Oh, no. So Carolyn will be around afterwards. Tim Santori. He is going to be speaking about residential geothermal. So come on up, Tim. Hi, my name is Tim Santori, and I uh, have a geothermal, geothermal heated house in Mount Horeb. We retrofitted it. It would be from about a 120-year-old Victorian house that we had a uh, oil burner in, and we were trying to figure out how, what can we do with this thing, because it was, it was getting up in years and high, really inefficient. And when, uh, when Obama came in, they had a promotion where they'd give you 30% off on beds and 30% on Wisconsin. So we took advantage of that right off the bat, and uh, we had it installed in 2009. We have my neighbor, I talked with him, and they, and they said, oh, we'll do it at the same time. And this is on a relatively small residential cotton town. So we brought in people, and they put in, we, next to our house, or between the two houses, we have 550-foot wells, which were drilled. 
and the loop system runs their independent loop systems that run and service each of the houses. And it's, it's worked, worked out really well. Uh, recently we upgraded this January and the new systems are amazing. They, you can uh, program thing for vacations, set your humidity, uh, temperature up, down, whatever. Um, one of the things with geothermal that we learned really fast is you don't do like you do with uh, gas, where you're gonna have oh, 73 in the, during the day and 60 something at night. So we keep it generally at about, it keeps everything at a very even temperature throughout, throughout the day. And the system does heating, cooling, great. I mean, we don't have really any problems with it. People always go, oh, is it gonna keep you warm? I'm gonna freeze. Do you have gas or something like that? And we have nothing. We have electricity coming to our house and that's it. And if you want to you know, talk to him in detail about it, because I think we're all going to be wanting it because we've got a lot of monies coming from the Inflation Reduction Act, which Kathy Coons can talk to you about. So we've got a lot of good folks for you to talk to tonight. Our last speaker, again, is going to be a resident from the Forum. He is Sean Dans, and he's going to talk to you about residential solar that he has on his house. So come on up, Sean. Don't you wish everyone did this right away? <laughs> I'm married to a musician. Thank you. All right, so my name is Sean. I uh, moved to Mount Horeb five years ago. My wife and I built our dream home here, a big, big house. And uh, we wanted something with uh, southern exposure, lots of windows south, but also a roof line that would accommodate solar. So. We built our home and we did not put solar on it immediately. I wanted to, it was my first new house, my first house that was younger than me, I guess. And uh, so we wanted to get an idea of what our energy usage would be. And so we lived in it for a year and it, it wasn't bad. You know, we had done a bunch of energy efficiency things. Um, and then we got a quote for solar and uh, I'm, I, we're very, you know, we're energy conscious, but the quote for solar, it, which is way less than the quotes that uh, people get now, but I thought it was a lot of money. After all the rebates and stuff, it was about $12,000, and I wanted to pay cash for, um, for the solar, so I installed something called a home energy monitor, and I don't know why these aren't more common, um, and I can show you guys after this. I'll put a link also. Um, we have a, web, or a Facebook page called Mount Horror Solar Trolls, and I can put a link in there on how you could get one of these as well. This home energy monitor monitors everything in your home. It tells you what every appliance is using. Um, and when I installed that, I was able to find all sorts of things. Uh, the builder had snuck some incandescent light bulbs in the house. <laughs> found found those because of that energy monitor. Uh, the coffee maker we discovered was um, using energy. It was heating up water when we didn't want coffee. Uh, so anyway, uh, put the energy monitor in there. Our uh, and as a result, our solar quote ended up being uh, we paid seven thousand seven hundred eighty dollars. Um, that's for a thirty eight hundred square foot house. 
And our first year, uh, we had such a surplus of energy uh, that I said, let's buy an electric car. Let's use up some of this. Um, and we did. And in 2022, that is our that became our only car. We just have one car. And um, that $7,780 investment, uh, we paid negative $36, I think, in electricity last year and zero dollars uh, in for gasoline for the cars. So I would recommend that you look for, uh, you know, solar is amazing. And I'm sorry, this is supposed to be about solar. Solar is great. It's, it's, it's amazing. But get a home energy monitor to monitor monitor your circuits. I'll give you a demo if you want. Um, otherwise, I'll link it in uh, Solar Trolls. Wow, how about a, a big hand for all of the sustainability champions here today? Well, we are so happy that you all came out. And uh, we're so happy that um, sustainability is a, is a thing about Horeb. And it's, it's, it's nothing new because uh, we're finding that uh, people have been doing this all along in Mount Horeb. And uh, we're just building on that. So for everybody that does anything, a lot of littles make a whole lot. So let's remember that and, um, and mingle and, uh, you know, uh, Find new new areas that you can uh, access and uh, make a difference. So thank you so much. Pizza, uh, friends, and beer. Solar powered beer. How about that, huh? Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's recording. Again, this was the very first all-around Dane County event that took place at the Grumpy Troll in Mount Horeb, a series of events that aims to bring together community members from all across Dane County to build connections and share local stories of sustainability. This event was free and open to the public, and if you're interested in joining Sustain Dane for the next one, you can head to sustaindane.org and head to Programs, where you can find a full slate of upcoming events. You can also follow us at Sustain Dane on Twitter, at Sustain underscore Dane on Instagram and Sustain Dane on Facebook. If you have questions or would like to reach out to us, feel free to send us an email at hello at sustaindane.org. One last thing before we go is that we would like to thank Ho-Chunk Gaming Madison and Everlight Solar for supporting the Dane County all-around series of events, and we would like to thank you for listening today. Remember, change happens when inspired people take action. <laughs>